Welcome to the 58 West King Podcast. I am your host, Tony Cosentino. That is the co-commission, Matt Graham, and this is episode 44. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How was the vacation? Uh, it was good, man. It was good. Didn't, uh, you know, went up to Santa Barbara. It was nice. It was beautiful. The weather was great. It was at the beach, and I saw people with masks at the beach, and it was, uh, you know, it's 2020. What are you going to do? That's awesome. Always good to camp, hit the beach, and hit the reset button, so I'm happy yep. for you. Uh, today, we're starting the first of two episodes on the tight end position, but before we do that, we're going to do some manager on manager. What do you got for me? All right, man. So if you could take your family on the perfect vacation, money is not an issue. What are you picking? I would take them on a long trip, seeing all the historical sites throughout Europe. My wife's a history major, and she's really into it. And my kids are probably too young to really appreciate it, but they love staying at different hotels. So it's kind of like the little things for them. So they'd at least get that out of it. So traveling to Europe, that's probably my dream vacation at the moment. Uh, I am currently planning a Europe vacation for next year for Philip's wedding. Okay. Philip's getting married in Germany. What uh, what are you going to do while you're out there besides the the wedding, obviously? So me and the wife, she's planning all right now. Um, It is like $500 cheaper to fly into Paris than it is to fly into Germany. Interesting. For a round trip. Yeah, that's what we said. So uh, we're going to fly into Paris uh, like like a week early from the wedding. Spend a few days in Paris and then we're going to buy a train pass. It's like four days, 200 euros, so 230, Mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, And you can travel as much on the trains as you want between midnight to 12, you know, whatever, that 24-hour period for four days. So we're going to probably hit up Amsterdam, Brussels, uh, Munich, and then um, yeah, shoot over to the wedding in uh, Dusseldorf, just outside of Dusseldorf. That's awesome. All right. My question for you is, we touched on this before with the alien question, but do you believe in UFOs? Uh Uh-huh. I believe in UFOs because people in the government are telling me that they're real. Hmm. And usually the government's in the business of telling me not to believe things. So when they tell me to believe things- They would never lie to you. I, I feel like it's them saving face like they're telling me to believe in them because there's so much abundance of evidence that there's something going on that they're like yeah we're gonna have to get on the right side of this or they're just trying to trick us all while they make these crazy flying saucers that they can use to wage war on the rest of the world who knows (laughs) yeah so i I subscribe to occam's razor so prioritizing the simple explanation over like really complex ones uh have you read about bob lazar or listened to like his interview with joe rogan i have yes okay so that is incredibly interesting and then you have obviously um i've watched a few episodes of a Netflix show called Unsolved Mysteries and there's one episode where like a lot of different people not connected at all all saw UFOs the same evening some even say that they were abducted it's pretty crazy when you see how far apart these people are and how they were not connected in any shape or form they all have the exact same description within 10-15 minutes of each other mm-hmm. so pretty crazy pretty crazy stuff yeah I know how our government likes to operate when it comes to diverting attention or kind of misinforming on things like this for our adversaries not, not us we're probably like a second order effect but things in the 70s and 80s like the B-2 stealth bomber program, uh, the Harrier. Are you familiar with vertical takeoff and landing aircraft? I am, yes. The fifth generation fighter aircraft sometime after those. So all those things were kind of in development when Bob Lazar, I think in the 80s is when he started reverse engineering alien spacecraft that the government had at the time. So I think a lot of that is just, I believe that it's just misinforming. You know, I think right now we're just setting the stages for what we're working on next. So like our sixth generation aircraft, I don't even know, but I imagine we're 20 to 30 years ahead of what the public knows because the stuff we were working on the in the 80s 90s early 2000s that stuff is operational today so just imagine how advanced the technology is right now that is in test and development phases in the 
area 51 areas or wherever we're testing stuff now. That all makes sense. Um, the only thing that the none of those aircraft resemble are a circular disc, which is which is it's mythology at this point yeah. in time. Is it real? Is it not real? I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I do believe. I do believe. It's tough for me to jump from, you know, the U.S. working on those advanced cutting edge technologies constantly, right? All the way to alien life forms just kind of hanging out in our atmosphere for shits and giggles. I don't know. Well, they're abducting people. I don't know if it's just for shits and giggles. Some people have a really, that really, maybe, maybe they were abducted. Maybe their uncle touched them. We will never know, man. But something yeah. happened to those kids at a young age and now they are the way they are. I mean, I will always keep an open mind, but I mean, it, I'm going to question it first, right? All right. Well, there we go. I'm going to question the claims first, but all right. In our two previous series, we've covered running backs and wide receivers. Today, we're getting into our tight ends. Let's go through our tight end two group of players. Are you ready? I am ready to get into that tight end. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Our first player is Irv Smith Jr. at number 24. Yeah, Irv Smith Jr., tight end out of Minnesota. So I, I like the guy and, and I'll, I'll admit that the back end of this, you know, second tight end group is, it's really hard to place any of these guys. I could see them being a lot higher. I could him being a lot lower. Obviously, Kyle Rudolph's still there. I mean, even though he's not as crazy um, involved in the offense as he was some years ago, he's still there. Still another guy who's going to draw targets away from him. Uh, they're going to be a run first team. That's just the way they're going to operate. So there's just, there's always going to be a cap on how much uh, vertical air offense is produced out of that system. So um, I have, I had him about where we have him now. And it's at the back end of my tight end two group. Yeah. Same. Not that I want to talk about a Minnesota tight end, but only the Eagles ran 12 personnel more often than the Vikings did in 2019. So Irv Smith Jr. will be on the field more often than most second tight ends in the league. He saw a mere 47 targets last season and just under 40% snap percentage. So his opportunity is going to be limited in that regard. Barring injury to Rudolph or extreme change in offensive scheme. Smith is just a waiver wire guy, not someone you need to really be looking at in the draft. Yes, yes, yes. All right, next up is Ian Thomas at number 23. Uh, yeah, Ian Thomas. So that's another situation. Teddy Bridgewater is there now. I, I don't know what to expect from him, man. I, he should be good. He should have a good season. Teddy Bridgewater is not a guy that's going to push the ball downfield. He's going to throw, you know, he's going to have a low A dot. You know, he's going to throw the ball a lot to Chris McCafferty. Um, but again, I just, I from a fantasy perspective, I just don't know that I can bank on any of these guys towards back. I just don't know that they're going to be, maybe it's an upside guy you take in a dynasty draft towards the end of it. But outside of that, I don't see much use for him. Yep. I had him at number 22. Greg Olson is in Seattle. So too are his 82 targets. Thomas only had 30 last season. So there's room for growth for him there. Tight ends don't seem to get a ton of work in rule led offenses. Kind of looked into that a little bit. Joe Brady was slightly better with the tight end position in 2019, but still nothing to get excited about. Lots of pass catchers there in Carolina and certainty as far as scheme and then the new quarterback. So I'm going low on the tight end production in that offense. All right, moving on to our number 22, a Rams tight end, the first of two Rams tight ends, Gerald Everett. Uh, and I, I really like Gerald Everett. Um, I had him at 22, which is right where he, where, where we have him as consensus. Um, I, I could take him earlier than that. I, I'm just really high on Tyler Higby. So if I'm going to be high on Tyler Higby, you know, I can't be high on both of those players. Uh, it's just not something I can bring myself to do because I just don't see enough out of that offense to support. Like the Eagles will probably support two top 15 tight ends by the end of the season. I just don't see that happening with the Rams. But I do like him as a player. He will be on the field a lot as they plan to run more 12 personnel to try to protect Goff from having to get sacked a lot. So I, I like him, but again, it's just a situation where I'm higher on the other guy. Yeah, I think the difference between the Rams and Eagles is that, because they'll, they'll both run a lot of 12 personnel. The difference is Ertz is a number one target on the Eagles, whereas Higby might be number three or four. We're not sure yet. Uh, 2019 was up and down for Everett as the Rams tried to figure out their identity. They had poor offensive line play and eventually shifted to more 12 personnel packages, as we mentioned. One would think that since they're going into 2020 with the same offensive line that they'll employ 12 personnel more regularly. That's what I believe. Uh, they did so 21% of the time in 2019 versus 8% of the time in 2018. So with that being said, I think Everett will 
will find himself on the field with Tyler Higby, which will increase his opportunities. So that's why I have him inside the tight end two group. All right, next up is our number 21, Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron, probably one of the most controversial tight ends over the last five years. Ruined a lot of people's drafts when he was with the Detroit Lions. Maybe won some people a league last year. Was very productive. I, he goes to Pittsburgh. I have him at 21. That's where we have him as consensus. I can see a world where he has like upwards of six, seven touchdowns just because of how big he is in the red zone and how much Ben Roethlisberger can look for those type of people. So I, there's a world where he could honestly be a top tight end just based on touchdowns alone, but it's not likely that's going to happen. There's a lot more mouths to feed there. Some young talent that Ben Roethlisberger is probably going to look to throw to a lot more. So I, I, again, he's just kind of a guy at the back end. I mean, with some upside, but not enough for me to, to dabble with. Yeah, definite upside. We've, we've seen what Ebron is capable of with touchdown upside, 13 and 2018. And then we've also seen him underperform in pretty much every other season. Uh, in Pittsburgh, again, with the amount of pass catchers Big Ben is going to have, I think Ebron will be one of those touchdown reliant tight ends that you just can't rely upon week to week. All right, going to number 20, your favorite, Dallas Goddard. Yes, my favorite. And I, I had him at 18. We're at 20. It's not like I would, I don't have him as 10. I am a, I'm a very optimistic Eagles fan, but I'm a very realistic um, fantasy fan. And that is that he's a second tight end in a system that has a tight end that could see 100 targets. If not. So his upside is capped a little bit when Ertz is on the field. However, caveat, Ertz gets hurt. Goddard would be probably a top 10, top five tight end most weeks because he has that size. He has speed. He has talent. Um, and if you're in a dynasty league, I think you probably put him in the top 10. You know, down the road, he's going to be the guy there. and He's going to be a huge, huge target. But again, if you're going to get a safe floor guy, tight end, you're looking to get two tight ends. He's a good upside guy to get. You could either use his trade bait later in the season or possibly slate in, you know, something goes down. He was my number 19, so a little bit higher than our average here. Goddard had the 11th highest snap percentage for tight ends last season at 52%. Ertz was number one at 63%. Eagles ran 12 personnel 52% of the time last year, which was 18% more than the number two team, uh, the Vikings. Philly has the best tight end pair in this league, I believe, and they're both getting on the field at the same time regularly. So Goddard finished 2019 with 58 catches for 600 yards and five touchdowns. Pretty solid. With the additions of Rager, a healthy Jackson, and the emergence of Miles Sanders, I dialed his numbers back just a bit and he still ended up here in my two groups so a positive there last thing I'll add is that he is another one of those players that can give you some flex value throughout the season while also being the best tight end backup to have stock in so you mentioned being a handcuff he was 12th last season in terms of fantasy points per game as well so there's the flex value and that was also because our wide receiver group was decimated the Eagles wide receiver group was decimated so obviously he had a lot more opportunity last year that being said it doesn't you know this wide receiver group that looked like it was much improved Marquise Goodwin opted out yeah. Jeffrey's going to start on the pup list Deshaun Jackson is old really wildly anti-semitic old and probably will get hurt so <laughs> there is a there's a universe where goddard again gets that same production just based on a lack of options on the field right now it doesn't seem to be that yep way. i agree all right moving on to our number 18 blake jarwin blake jarwin i had him at i had him a little a couple spots lower i was at 20 on him but i like jarwin the more i look at him the more i've done research i actually probably would have bumped him up a little bit further on my list yes lamb comes in there but again there's been a lot of targets vacated randall cobb left obviously so he's vacated quite a bit of targets and then you also have Jason Wynn's gone, went to Las Vegas. So there's a lot of targets to go around. Blake Jarwin uh, has had a lot of success with Dak Prescott over the last couple of years. It's kind of a safety blanket. So I could see him having a top 12 year based on how that offense should run. Uh, that being said, I just, there's too many mouths to feed and it's hard for me to predict him to be any higher than where we're at. Yeah, Jarwin is my number 20 tight end. Jason Witten's gone. You mentioned that. And the tight end snaps are Jarwin's going into 2020. With Witten leaving, that frees up a little over 80 targets. And it's it's likely that CeeDee Lamb absorbs some of that production that Cobb left. But Jarwin should see most of that. And he had 41 targets in 2019. So it, it's easy to see that 
at least doubling and giving you some value. All right, our number 18, Chris Herndon. Uh, he's a Jet, so I probably will avoid him, kind of avoiding all Jets players. I did rank him right about where we have him as consensus because he's he looks to be the only tight end in that system that's going to catch the majority of the tight end options from Sam Darnold. So there, there is some upside there. Sam Darnold had a rough year last year. I think a lot of that's to do with the way the offenses ran, but more importantly, the offensive line was trash. And then he came back from mono way too soon. I had a buddy who had mono, and he was basically unusable for an entire year. Like he set out baseball and basketball. Like it 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 runs a gambit on your body the way it attacks your system. So, and he came back pretty quickly, like almost too quickly to where doctors probably would have advised against it. I think him fully healthy this year, we should see an uptick in his production, which should lead to a better year for Chris Herndon. Yeah, I hate Adam Gase so much. So that definitely negatively impacts any Jets player outlook for 2020. I have Herndon at 18 and penciled in for a cool 46 receptions, 550 yards and four touchdowns. Last season's kind of a wash, but in 2018, he pulled in 39 receptions for 504. So what I'm projecting is definitely obtainable by a third year tight end, even one in a Jets offense. Moving on to our number 17, Jack Doyle. Doyle rules. Doyle rules. I uh, surprised he was this low for me and for us as a consensus because I like Jack Doyle. I think he should be really good with Philip Rivers. That offensive line's great, so he's not going to really need to stay in pass blocking too much. He should get out there on some routes and get some targets. Uh, I think if you wait super late or you get one of those like super high upside, low floor guys like Hawkinson or Fant, getting pairing him with Jack Doyle, who should consistently give you middle of the pack tight end two numbers every week, is not a bad idea. I just don't think he has any ceiling. Very, very low ceiling, but again, should be somewhat of a higher floor than most in this range. I agree with the high floor. I've got Doyle at 16. He's got Philip Rivers under center now. And last season with Rivers, Hunter Henry finished with 55, 652, and 5. Doyle's best year in Indy was 2017 when he had 80, 690, and 4. So I like Doyle a lot, but it's going to be a run first team and for good reason with that good offensive line you mentioned. I don't think he'll be putting up 2017 numbers, but close to Henry's 2019 is within reach for sure. Next up at number 16 is Johnny Smith. Um, I like that he's tied in that offense. Obviously, maybe that's because Delaney Walker was so good for so long that I expect great things. Uh, obviously, it's a little bit of a different offense than was ran back then, but it's not that much different. They have produced good tight ends before. So I don't know that uh, A.J. Brown's going to be as productive as he was last year. I think he's going to draw more double coverage. So guys like this backup wide receivers and guys like John Smith should have more an opportunity to break out. Again, you haven't seen him do it, and it's rough with young tight ends to predict that. Usually, I'd rather be one year late than one year early on breakout tight ends, so we'll see what happens. But I, I do have um, some high hopes for him. I've got John New at 17, not too far off ADP. He had 35, 439, and three last season. Delaney Walker's gone, but Mike Brabel and Arthur Smith want the offense to run through Derrick Henry. Uh, I can see John New emerge as a number two target in the passing game, but last season that was only good for 40 receptions. So I love the talent, just tempering expectations a bit with everything that we've mentioned so far. All right, our number 15 is Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper. Uh, Austin Hooper had a great season last year, obviously, when he was on the field. Was really well with Matt Ryan. Trouble is now he's with the Browns now, Baker Mayfield. Uh, and although I have high hopes for this, this team based on the offensive changes they've made. I just think there's too many mouths to feed. You've got Odell Beckham Jr., who I think should be a wide receiver one. You have Jarvis Landry, who I'm predicting is a wide receiver two. And then you've got two running backs, both of whom can catch the ball and run the ball. I just, I think you just uh, odd man out in that offense. Austin Hooper was number 15 on my list. He put together two great seasons in Atlanta, 71, 660, and four in 2018, 75, 787, and six in 2019. Unfortunately, he's moving to a Kevin Stefanski-led offense. He brought Alex Van Pelt over as the coordinator, but it's safe to say Cleveland will be implementing some of the things that work for Stefanski in Minnesota. In 2019, the Vikings were top five in rushing attempts and 30th in passing attempts. So Hooper is also going to be competing with Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt for targets. Uh, all of those factors cap Hooper's ceiling for me. All right, moving to 
our number 14, Mike Gesicki. I had him at number 14 too, and I think his success depends wildly upon who's at quarterback. Um, I think that if Fitzpatrick is quarterback, he's uh, he, he has a lower ceiling. I think Fitzpatrick's going to want to push the ball downfield, going to look for Devontae Parker. I honestly think that if two is in there, that rookie quarterback tight end combo, having that safety blanket when he runs out and tries to make a play, is going to give him a higher ceiling. So if two starts much earlier, I think I'd probably slide Mike Gesicki up because Mike Gesicki is very talented, very athletic, could have a really good year. I just don't know that that's going to happen with Fitzpatrick or center. I was much higher than you guys on Gesicki at 11. Gesicki is one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. He grades out in the 95th percentile or higher in speed, burst, agility, and catch radius. Last season, he had 51, 570, and 5 on a team that was still a work in progress. This season, they have a tough schedule. New England and Buffalo twice, the NFC West and the AFC West. They'll be playing from behind often, so Parker, Williams, Gesicki will absolutely be involved in 2020. I love the potential of no matter which quarterback, Fitzpatrick or Tua, which whichever guy's in there. All right, the final one we're talking about today is our number 13, everybody's favorite tight end, Rob Gronkowski. I had him at 12. If you asked me today, I'd probably put him at 30. I don't, I feel like we're drafting Rob Gronkowski because he's on the Bucks with Tom Brady. We're drafting, I think, too much in the past, and I even did my rankings too much in the past. I honestly don't see him having that great of a year. I would not be surprised if O.J. Howard had a better year. We'll see. Madden 2020 ranked him higher than Lamar Jackson at a 95, which is probably a shame. One of the craziest things that have happened this offseason, that in the NFL Top 100 had Jimmy Garoppolo at 43. I just don't. <laughs> Luckily, I'm drafting against guys in the league right now who are drafting like they were drafting out of the NFL Top 100, so I'm getting some really good but he's a 12 he could have 15 touchdowns he could have zero touchdowns and not play one game I don't know I don't know it doesn't take much to be a tight end one honestly and he has the talent he's healthy right uh, the last time we saw Gronk healthy he put up 69 catches almost 1100 yards and eight touchdowns he's joining a talented roster with Evans and Godwin his advantage though is the rapport he already has with Tom Brady uh, with no preseason games right if people are worried about volume Brady threw the ball only 13 times fewer than Jameis Winston did last season so no one should be surprised if Tampa Bay finishes this year with 600 plus pass attempts I won't be uh, if they hit that mark or come close to that it leaves plenty of targets for all these guys and what we would assume are higher quality targets coming from Brady versus Jameis also people seem to be concerned about the lack of preseason and what that means for Brady building rapport with Evans and Godwin well I think that factors into what Gronk and Brady already have so I think I'm a little higher on him but again doesn't take much to be a tight end one and here I have him at the you know the top of the tight end two group so not too big of a leap for me all right before we move on let's take a quick break all right, we're back. In today's Fuck, Mary Kill segment, we're going to find out some of Matt's relationship and murder strategies when it comes to his greatest sports heroes. Are you ready? Real quick, I'd like to comment on the last episodes of FMK, sure. which was Kanye West, Danny DeVito, and Bob Ross. And here's where you guys got it wrong. Okay. In this scenario, we are accepting that we are fully attracted to men, and that's what we like, and we're looking for that. Correct? So let's start there. First thing you're looking for in a in a fuck scenario is I'm looking for somebody crazy who's wild. Let's get it out. Let's, let's do the damn thing. And then on your way, you might even forget who I am. And that's Kanye. Kanye is uber talented. I don't care if he's crazy. It's the perfect crazy is perfect for one night stand. You don't try to kill crazy. Crazy could probably kill you back. You definitely don't marry crazy. So I'm effing Kanye and I'm marrying Bob Ross for all of the things that you mentioned about Bob Ross. He's a guy you marry. And unfortunately I'm killing Dan Vito. He's old and he's four foot two. I don't want to marry him. And I don't want to have sex with him. That's just, that's my take on that FMK. We can move into mine for this episode. I just wanted to make sure I got that out because I'm fresh off that episode and I was triggered. No, we appreciate your input. And if you were triggered, then we're doing our job. That's good. All right. So Brian Scalabrini, Vince Papale, and Ben Williams of the California Angels. You got to fuck one. You got to marry one. You got to kill one. Go. Okay. All right. 
Um, killing Brian Scalabrini. I'm a Celtics fan. Yes. I absolutely do not like Brian Scalabrini. I hate that he was associated with the Celtics. I hate that when people talk to me as a white Celtics fan, they're like, uh, Larry Bird and Scalabrini are heroes, right? And it's like, no, absolutely not. Brian Scalabrini played zero minutes in the 2008 playoffs and in the finals. He played zero minutes on a team that won a championship to tell you how good he is. He's a color commentator for the NBA. He seems like a nice guy. I don't know how he got the nickname White Mamba. Maybe he has something else going on that I'm not aware of, but good for him. I just... I am absolutely murdering Brian Scalabrini if I get the opportunity. Even if that wasn't one of the options, I would probably murder Brian Scalabrini. Surprising. That's shocking. Vince Papali. Probably killing Vince Papali too. What? Another person <laughs> as an Eagles fan. People are like, oh, Vince Papali must be your hero, right? No, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm not from Philadelphia. I could give two shits about a bartender who made the team in the 80s 20 years before I was born or 10 years before I was born. No, thank you. I guess if I have to make a decision, I'm probably going to marry him because the next option is more, I would, I definitely, we're talking about Matthew McConaughey's next option. How do you not sleep with that man? So uh, I guess I'll marry Vince Papali, but know that it is going to be a marriage where I Google how to get away with murder often and frequently. Uh, next, we're going to Ben Williams, a fictional Angels player. I can't even get a real Angels player because there's so many great ones to choose from. A fictional Angels player from a movie that I've seen like maybe three times. Uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and fuck Ben Williams, mostly because it's Matthew McConaughey. And why the hell not? All right. All right. All right. All right. That was good. I thought you were really going to kill two of them for a second there. I'm going to follow the rules. If anything, I'm a rule follower, so I'll do what I have to do to get, get by. Thank you. Uh, these are your childhood heroes, but I would also kill Scalabrini. He played for Boston and USC, both of which are the devil. So easy kill there for me. Next is Vince Papale. Well, he is portrayed by Mark Wahlberg, who I am a fan of. I'm just going to have to fuck him. I'm going to hit it. I'm going to quit it. I'll be in and out of there so fast. He'll have flashbacks to being on the set of The Italian Job for multiple reasons. That leaves me with Ben Williams, a.k.a. Matthew McCann. McConaughey. He was an angel, but I think I can get past that because he spells his name with the correct amount of T's. So marrying Ben Williams slash whoa, Matthew McConaughey. Whoa, hold the phone. The correct amount of T's. That's a shot. That's a personal shot of me. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. No wonder Kendall's been getting more airtime because he has the proper amount of T's in his name. Cool. Awesome. That may have had something to do with it. I can neither confirm nor deny. You didn't care how many T's were in my name when I was taking care of you drunk passed out on a beer pong table vomiting guacamole. We'll talk about that one in the next episode. Let's let's save okay. that one. Cool. All right. Okay. Uh, please continue to support the show by subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. Log into your significant others' phones, your loved ones, your your wife, your kids, whoever, your parents, log in and subscribe on their phones. They'll never know. It'll be a it'll be a harmless little download that pops in at the bottom of their podcast. No big deal, but it helps us out a lot. Please review, review, review. Let's get those reviews up. Please visit our website at 58wkfantasy.com. You'll find links to our social media there and a forum where you can tell us how Brian Scalabrini also changed your life and how much you want to kill him. Maybe we can talk about different ways to kill him. And then, you know, I don't know, maybe Brian Scalabrini will hire better security. Also, check out the Taco Corp Fantasy Football Podcast hosted by our favorite Nate, Nate Molinay. You can find his show everywhere you get your podcast including the place where you get ours all right matt nice work today i'll see you on the next one when we reveal the rest of our tight ends that may or may not be a euphemism for something else at this point i'm really not sure yep left cheek right cheek left cheek right cheek let's go yeah all right man take it easy all right take a uh, my pre-show dump so apologies for the delay nice it's going to make it easier for me to get in that tight end so that's good oh in interesting wait a minute this is about tight ends right we're getting into tight ends i'm not really sure what we're talking about anymore but let's go ahead and get this started okay let's go